1: From the Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Antia Poker PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's February 22nd, 2019, you're listening to the greatest poker cast on the planet, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Well, that was a quick little joint you had there.
2: Uh, Yeah across the country and back in less than 48 hours, I would nice. say so. Nice. It must be rough. As my wife said, I think uh, I wasn't gone long enough to even adjust the time out there, so <laughs> it really didn't it really no, didn't hurt as much
0: as you thought it would. No <laughs> jet lag for you.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so last week I flew out to uh, San Diego for the uh, opening of Hamul Casino's new poker room out near San Diego. And uh had a great time. It's a fantastic property. Um, and, of course, the manager I've known a long time, John uh, Rushford. And um, so it's going to be a great place to uh, to play poker there in San Diego. But uh, they, I'll tell you what, Chris, they know how to throw a party there. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, and, uh, and I'll say this, too. I'm like, There's a lot of discussion. Anytime I go to one of these things, I mean, obviously the GM, for the properties there, all the big wigs, marketing, all those folks, right? And, um, you know, their job is to make – Money for the casino, right? Mm. And if they don't, then they get a job at a different casino. <laughs> and um, it's always interesting. You could tell right away the ones that really are ready to invest in poker and the ones that are like, eh, let's hope poker makes some money for us, right? Right. And this is a property that uh, went uh, to be totally cliche all in on, um, on their poker room. So um, it's a, I think it's a 10 table room. Um, and then they uh, had this beautiful loft area uh, overlooking the the mountains and everything there, which is fantastic. Where they put some um, <clears throat> extra tables for the uh, kickoff tournament, but uh, um, they they spared no expense on on making this uh, a great grand opening um, party. They uh, obviously they uh, had um, a bunch of celebrity bounties. I was one of them, um, and you know you could tell the pecking order when they order, uh they announced us. Yeah. I was towards the front, <laughs> so the real poker celebrities like Tiffany Michelle and Eric Lindgren and Norman Chad were towards the back. <laughs> um, but no, they did a, they did a big uh, ceremony there where the had some uh, the tribal elders there and did some singing and and you know stuff that's relevant to the to the tribe and the tribe's history, which was great. And then they announced all the. The bounties, they had a um a buffet for everybody that bought into the uh, the tournament, it was a five hundred fifty dollar kickoff tournament. Um and if you knocked out any of the bounties like me, you got five hundred bucks, so that was not a bad deal for folks. Wow. And um and like I said, they put it up on the the loft area, so you had this gorgeous view of the mountains uh during it all. Um gosh, what else did they do? It was it was really, really um a good event. And um if folks haven't heard of Homo casino Um it was actually built by Penn National Gaming um a couple years back. And I remember talking to some friends that were hoping to get uh management jobs there and they were thinking this was gonna be the casino to to really put uh Penn National on the on the map and then Penn National gave up on it (laughs) after a couple years. And um so now it's under new management and they didn't have poker before and now they do. And um I'll tell you the San Diego market's really interesting. I'm sure we have a lot of listeners from that area too. Um because uh, you know, I've been talking to folks that used to work down that market and for whatever reason they just don't do poker big in San Diego. I don't know if it's because, you know, LA does it so is so huge in poker that no one wants to try to compete with them. Um, but it's still a decent little drive uh from San Diego and some of these tribal casinos to to the LA market and the LA card club. So um I'm hoping that uh will we'll, uh We'll really do it big there and give folks in San Diego a really good place to play poker. But.
0: Yeah, because the only thing that comes to mind really is like Ocean's Eleven. Like, because they're like San Diego, basically.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, there's you know, like, uh, Pachanga, Ala, and, uh, they got a couple other ones. That's like uh, the Inland
0: Empire, right? That's the. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's
2: still San Diego ish. Um, but uh but none of them do really big poker i mean Pachanga has a huge room and um yeah they are fantastic they do a fantastic restock the shelves promotion with us every year um but in terms of you know a tour or some kind of really kind of big thing um just doesn't happen in that market um it's all all in the la market so um hopefully people will uh will get out and check it out and say hi to john there and tell him up upset you and um but a couple other fun things I had. Um, you know, it's always fun chatting with Norman Chad. He's, he's, that dude is always on. Yeah. <laughs> he takes no days off of, of being the funniest guy in the room, right? So that was pretty cool. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, and then I, I got to talk to Tiffany Michelle for a long time. I don't think I've actually met her before, so this is the first time I actually get to chat with her. And, uh, of course, I used to be a huge, amazing race fan, so I, I just, like, peppered her with all kinds of questions, and it was fascinating
0: <laughs> having her tell me about how it was. And um, So did fact. you ask her about French fries? Because I know that I did when I met her in uh, Daytona. Yeah, no,
2: I did not. I did oh, not. Oh, man. I was
0: not going to be that Annie up most. Yeah. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, let's see And then uh, one of the other bounties uh, Scott Lewis, he's the editor of the San Diego Voice And uh, he said hi to me He's like, hey, I love listening to the show So I'm like, that's great So we got a listener that was another celebrity bounty cool. um, And fantastic job he has The San Diego Voice is a little uh, news- a newspaper there That uh, covers politics and things like that So I had plenty to talk to him about um, And of course our names are both Scott And started with L and So mass confusion throughout the day
0: Who <laughs> <laughs> was who? Yeah, because see, I would think that he was probably worth 500 bucks. I don't think you were worth $500. Uh, well,
2: no, I, I, w- I was an easy $500 for someone. So, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I ended up being uh, absolutely an easy uh, $500. Uh, my pocket aces got cracked. And it's one of those things, you know, we talk about this on the show all the time. And I think back to the hand of the week, you know, we're like, oh, oh, we're all like, You know, oh, how obvious was it that you knew exactly what he had, right? Yeah. Uh, I knew exactly what this guy had, and I still raised him all in, and of course he had flopped a set, and and then bam, I'm out. I was out the. I think it was. They kept announcing me as the first bounty out, but that's a lie. Norman Chad went out just before me. He just happened to keep sitting at the table. (laughs) Oh,
0: okay. So, were they gunning for you? I don't think I've ever had a bounty on me. I know people who know who we are and they gun for us sometimes if they know who we are, but. I don't think I ever had a bounty on my head. So were they gunning for you?
2: Oh, well, I, absolutely. Again, it's a, it's a 550 buy-in tournament. A lot of people satellite it in. So, I mean, to just to get a $500 bounty was going to be a good day at the office for a lot of these folks, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and, you know, I've I've been a bounty before, so as I tell people, kind of the strategy is that, you know, people are going to be gunning for you, right? No matter whether it's a... They win a card protector for 500 bucks, right? right. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's very hard to bluff, so you shouldn't bluff because people are going to want to call you because they're going to want to knock you out, right? <clears throat> so you have to take that out of your game. But the benefit of being a bounty is that people want to take you out of the game so when you have a hand, you know, you don't have to slow play or doing this other stuff. You just bet it big, and you're going to get action, right? right. So, um, <clears throat> so that's what I did with my aces, and then, um, you know, I raised them he raised Free flop I re-raised we got heads up And flop came down queen jack x or something and uh uh I bet he raised me and then that's when I am like at this point I, I thought he was trying to get the bounty and he could have a queen or a or a, a single jack or something like that and just think I had ace king or something like that right I myself believed that and then shoved and of course he turned over pocket jacks for a yeah. set yeah. Uh, did not run out well for me. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the way I, I would play bounty events, and that's the way I advised other folks. So um, okay. but um, so then I got knocked out early. <laughs> Some time to waste. Uh, I ended up going to Ben uh, Ben Irwin, our good friend from Thunder Valley, was another one of the, uh, the celebrity bounties because he grew up in San Diego and that's where he started in the poker business. So and everybody there knew him, even though he's been up in um, Sacramento for the last nine years. So uh, but went to went to the steakhouse with him, and then Eric Lindgren was the last bounty knocked out, so he came over and had a glass of wine with us and chatted for a while. And I don't think I've got to chat with him very much over the years either. So he was also very interesting to talk to. Um, and then before all that, uh, so I'm gonna ask you about this because I know you don't you don't do anything in a casino that's not poker, right? So right. Uh, but but we'll see if if your mind works on this and what what your strategy might have been had you. But let's say uh, Jeannie said, "Chris, have some fun. I want you to take advantage of this casino promotion and not give me any guff about, it, right?" Right. So, so imagine you're in that scenario. Okay, okay I'm right? in. I'm ready. Okay. So um, one of the sign-up bonuses for the Player Club card there um, was, and I've never seen this before. Um, they your first bet at the table at a table game, so you know blackjack, roulette, ride, crafts, any of those things, right? Right. Relax. If you Win your bet, obviously, you get paid, and then you're done, right? If you lose your bet, though, they will rebate half of that bet to you in promotional chips.
0: Oh, nice. But you have to oh. play the promotional chips out of that, right?
2: Yeah, up to a maximum of $500. So you could bet 500 and if you lose, you get 250 in promotional chips, or anything less than that, you get half of whatever you bet, right? Right, right. So I totally forgot about this because I got knocked out way early in the day. <laughs> Um, and then so we're on the way to steakhouse, and Ben's like hey, we gotta play uh, we gotta play our promotional thing. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right so I'm like, well, I gotta go to the ATM because i'm gonna i'm gonna bet two hundred and he's like You're gonna bet two hundred and I'm like, Whoa, whoa. yeah I mean, I mean i i can't afford to put five hundred down, but this is a really good promotion i mean it's, it's, it's I've never bet two hundred dollars on a hand of anything right so and I got the backup of 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 getting half it back in promotional chips and and this is a, a big deal with too, because we've talked about this like years ago on the show, I think. But there's two different ways casinos use promotional chips. One, you use it at the bet, and then whether you win or lose, they take it from you, right?
0: Right.
1: Or,
2: as long as you win, that promotional chip stays on the table, and that was the case at this casino. So, you know, if you went on a run of like ten winning blackjack hands with that promotional chip uh twenty the 20 say it's a twenty five dollar promotional chip. Now you've just made two hundred fifty dollars without risking any money at all, right? Right. So um so that was the scenario that came up. So that's that's why I talked myself into two hundred rather than Ben Wimp dad only did a hundred. Um so what were you done?
0: Uh I probably would have done the hundred. I I mean I it sounds like a hundred to me, it sounds like because then I'd get fifty back and I could probably work that back up fairly simply. I, I don't know if I would be comfortable playing after that for a larger, you know, given that the money that I usually gamble or play with or whatever, I would probably do the 100. If I lost, I'd get 50 back, right? 50 promotional chips. Yeah. yeah. So then those promotional chips, I would just have to win two hands at that rate yeah. to get my 100 back. And then I'd be like, all right, now I'm playing. Bro, I'm even again. Let me see if I should keep playing, if I figure this out, or whatever it is. And it would probably be blackjack because that's the. Probably the easiest way to win one hand when they match and stuff. So that's probably what I would do. Although I might consider something like, you know, one spin or something on black or red or something. I don't know. But I would think maybe I play blackjack. But I think I'd buy in for a hundred.
2: Well, here here's the other danger with blackjack, which is what we ended up playing, is that uh, so what, we we had two jokes going as we were walking over the table. One uh, Ben was like, uh, "What's the chances of both of us winning on the first hand?" Yeah, and I'm like, "I'm going to go ahead and say that ninety percent." Chance that we both lose. <laughs> yeah, and of course that's what happened. We both lost. Um, uh, shoot, what was the other thing I was gonna say? Uh, oh no! So yeah, the other thing I was telling him, I'm like, uh, I know what's gonna happen is I'm gonna put down my two hundred dollar bet, right? And then I'm going to get two cards that I'm supposed to split and have to put down <laughs> another two. <200. laughs> and then both of those will draw to eleven, and then I'm gonna have to double down on both of them. <laughs> and next thing I know, I've got uh, my entire net worth on the table. Uh, when I'm only going to get the uh, hundred dollars <laughs> promotional chips back when I end up losing all this, right? Huh. Fortunately, that didn't happen. But, uh, but yeah, we both ended up losing. Uh, I ended up not being able to. Uh, I ended up making seventy-five dollars back off my hundred-dollar promotional chips, and then, uh, of course, then uh, at that point, I'm like, I might as well try to, you know, I'm a degenerate, so I tried to get back my whole two hundred and ended up losing everything.
0: <laughs> oh, geez. So you were only twenty-five down at one point, and you still lost it no, all. One twenty-five down. Oh, okay. When you said seven, I was thinking you got seventy-five more no, on top of yeah, the I, I earned you.
2: seventy-five back from the promotion. So oh, I got you.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
2: Uh. <clears throat> but yeah, nice, a uh, pretty strong promotion. It yeah, yeah.
0: Me, so, but uh. well, clearly but yeah, they don't value money. I mean, they made you five hundred dollars, so I would never put a value of five hundred dollars on your head. No, no, no. maybe fifty.
2: But it certainly <laughs> made certainly made the guy that knocked me out very happy though.
0: So. <laughs> it sucks though, because you even no matter what you do, you're not winning there. I mean, no matter what, even if you shoved pre-flop, he's calling with Jackson, and your $500 price on your head, and he flops a second. So no matter what probably. happens, you you, you lose.
2: That sucks. Well, no, I shouldn't say with that, whatever I do. I, I should have, when he raised me again on the
0: flop, I Oh, shouldn't. no, I know. You could have gotten away from it. I'm just saying, like, no matter how you played that, that guy's going to the end with that hand from beginning to end. Like, if you shoved pre-flop, he calls. If you raise pre-flop, he calls or raises again, and – you're just not getting away from him but yeah you could fold but i mean he's he's not going anywhere so no matter what you've done you couldn't have won that hand true that true. sucked oh well
2: but a, a fantastic day for the for the casino they put a 50,000 dollar guarantee on it and they blew past that i ended up with like 200 and some entries or something so it was a huge payday for the winner and uh, well, we got photos and a wrap up in it uh in the April issue of Indiana. I don't want to see the next issue because the next issue is shipping this week
0: so right.
2: um, it does not have it in there so um, but, did, uh, so what did yeah. you
0: do with that information did you get the photos and stuff or are they sending them to like Kitty and I or have
2: all I just haven't sent it to you yet so oh, relax
0: okay. oh okay Are you? I'm just curious I just want to know if you were talking to Kitty if she came out for that if you saw her or anything like that
2: uh, no yeah Kitty had another event up in um, LA that same day so she couldn't make it down okay but,
0: gotcha but I took care of you Chris we're all thanks good. man I'm always looking out for the magazine that's the thing
2: all right, this next item you wanted to put on, so I'm going to let you uh, you take the lead here.
0: Well, uh, the word is that a movie uh, about Phil Ivey's edge-sorting partner may be in the works. Uh, so I just I thought, you know what, Oscars are Sunday, and I know we talk talk often about poker movies and stuff on the show, and while that's probably not a poker movie, I just th- kind of thought it was interesting because what if, obviously, Phil Ivey's going to have some, his, his person, his, his part in this story, is going to be in this movie at some point, and I just started to wonder about, geez, who would they get to play Phil Ivey? I mean, it depends on the size of the role. Um, you know, if yes. it's just one scene, he can do a cameo. Of course, he's not going to. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if it was a cameo, it didn't require it any might, acting. might be by then. He might need the, might might need make... the cash. Um, it didn't require any acting skills. He could do it, you know. But uh, if it's a meaty role, I started speculating. I thought, who who could they get to play him? And then that made me start to think about how hard it is to cast somebody you know, that's a tough job, you know, because how many times did they just blow it in poker movies with the casting? I mean, seriously. Right, yeah. So, first, I want to talk about, like, who who you think might be good for Phil Ivey's role. Let's say it's a meaty role, and he's actually in the movie more than you think he would be, because there might be stuff behind the scenes that we don't even know, you know, more to this story, and who knows about their relationship or whatever, you know what I mean? So, there might be this huge story that he's intricate, integral in. So, I'm, I'm going to say Michael B. Jordan, might be perfect for yeah, Phil.
2: Ivey. That's an
0: interesting one.
2: Yeah, I can and, see that.
0: You know, and you're you're so good with all the movies and stuff. That's your thing. So I don't know who you. Well,
2: no. But, so here's the tough thing about casting because I, I I ended up I got five poker players here. I came up with who I thought. So you Fine. know, running through those. But Phil Ivy is the first one, obviously, because I knew we were going to talk about that. So you, you want to, the problem with Phil Ivy is he's so quiet, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I, I don't even know if I would know Phil Ivy's voice if he called me. It'd <laughs> be like. Hey, Scott, it's uh, you know who this is? I'm like, nope, no idea, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, he's he doesn't have much of a facial expression either, right? He's just stone cold there, right? Yeah. And when you try to find an actor for that, I mean, that's not a good... That's not a good role for an actor to go for, you know, to be known as Just the... Just sit
0: there and stare at the cards. Right, or stare quiet, at
2: the, yeah. quiet staring guy, right? Yeah. So um, the first one I thought of, and I, I, I like how you said it, whether it's a meaty role or not. So that's, that's good because it's a good segue because they came up with two. So the first one I came up with, and would probably be good if it wasn't a meaty role because he's not well-known, but would be um, an actor named Corey Hawkins, so... Um, if you uh, there's probably almost nobody listening to the show that has any idea who he is. I didn't know his name. I had to look him up today. <laughs> okay. He was he was the the new Jack Bauer in the twenty four.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: Because again, he's got that he's got that kind of quiet demeanor. Part of the reason I didn't like the twenty four legacy is I could never warm up to this guy because he just seemed boring to me. So, uh, so if you're looking for a young boring.
0: <laughs> I, I think you could you could do worse than Corey Hawkins. So <laughs> remind me to ma- make sure you not you don't become an agent after we sell the magazine for millions of dollars. Because that was a horrible pitch. <laughs> if you're just looking for a really boring, horrible actor, uh, Corey Hawkins for you. Hey, the
2: world needs ditch diggers too, so you know. <laughs> There's a market out there. You remember that one of the, the the funniest things I ever remember talking about agents. It was there's actually an agent. I don't know if she's still out there, but uh, her her whole client base were kickers for the NFL. Don't oh no way! Kick punters. That's hilarious. And you kind of laugh about it, but you're like, you know, hey, she's specializing in a a particular field, and so you know, <laughs> hey, every team needs a kicker, every team needs a punter. So if you need one, you call her. <laughs> Um, all right if it's a meteor role. Um I don't know if this will actually work, but uh I'm gonna go with common. You know common? Oh yeah, of the course rap- no common, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh fantastic actor too, by the way. Um in uh, Hell on Wheels and, and some other stuff as well too, but he's got that same kind of like quiet, strong demeanor. Yeah, kind of
0: quiet strong, yeah. That's 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 how I would say it. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be pretty good. <clears throat> it's gotta be a meaty role for him though. You couldn't just be like a Cameo. He'd have to be yeah, in yeah, every scene or yeah or that's pretty good. I, mm-hmm. I, I like Michael B. Jordan and you like uh, Common. So either one of those I think people people would flock to the to the movie theaters to <laughs> see this.
2: To, to learn what edge sorting is all
0: about. <laughs> I know, isn't that crazy? I mean that's that's the real the real story here. They're making a movie about a woman <laughs> who is the partner of Phil Ivey about edge sorting because she's got all this other interesting stuff that happened in her life. And I'm thinking, really? There's no Doyle Brunson story movie yet. I mean, seriously, this guy—how has that not made the big screen? And this lady gets a movie—that's beyond me. And you know, I—I I, I don't know how you want to go in this direction or not, but I was thinking of the the perfect actor for Doyle.
2: Oh, good, because uh, all right, you, you, I, have, I have a list here, so he's on my list. So all right, so
0: I—I'm think. thinking Stephen Tobolowsky. Now, you may not know who he is by that name, but I know you know who he is as an actor. He was Needlenose Ned in Groundhog Day.
2: Yeah. He plays a
0: principal on the Goldbergs. Yes, yes, he, yes, yes. That yes. guy would be, could give him, a, you know, and now that, you know, uh, Doyle's had the gastric bypass and he was skinnier in his younger years, he got a heavy right. feud for the middle part of his life there. But, I mean, Steven Fobolowski would be perfect for that role. So, seriously, this woman's getting a movie and Doyle hasn't gotten a movie yet. You know, what is I mean, what does Doyle have to do? Uh, just beat some sort of uh, tumor in the back of his head that they thought was gonna kill him in a couple of weeks. Uh, he did that. What does he have to do, win the world championship twice with the same hand? Uh, he did that. Does he have to start his own publishing company so he can write the greatest poker book ever? Uh, he did that. Does he have to win the most bracelets ever until you know a younger man took over the lead? Uh, he did that. What, what does this guy gotta do? Does he have to play poker games with you know machine guns on the roof to protect him? Uh, he did that. Yeah, that's not worth anything. Yeah, that's
1: actually
2: a very good point. If you're going to make a movie about a poker player, this is the one to make it about it, because he just has so much in his history, you know, back to basketball and running the mile back in those days. So, yeah, that would be an accessible movie to a a larger audience. Yes, you're right.
0: I'm thinking that they're missing it. I think you and I need to do that. I'll write the screenplay. You promote it. But don't promote it the way you were promoting Corey Hawkins or whatever that guy's name is.
2: well, here's the thing I would say. So this ties into the actor that I would have played, Doyle Brunson. But uh, Adam McKay would be fantastic for making this movie. He's the guy that did the big short. Oh, yeah. um, Because he could really make this – I mean, not that you need to make Doyle Brunson's life exciting because it already is, right? But I I could see him making – that would be a great director uh, and make it fast-paced and interesting and humorous all at the same time. So that would be fantastic. And and then, of course – You'd have to cast Christian Bale as 12 runs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Christian Bale. Well, he did Chaney, so I guess I was going to say you turn yeah. him into
2: Dick Cheney, you could turn him into anybody, right?
0: So. <laughs> oh man, that'd be good. That'd be really cool. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I And plus the rest of the people in his in his circle, you know, Todd and Casting all those guys would not be easy. So you have a. I told you not to do a list of five. You did a list of five anyway. I,
2: I was just, I was just making sure I had enough material here because I didn't know what you were going to come up with. So well, you just was... mentioned Todd Brunson, and uh, so I, I, this is a slam dunk, I think. Danny McBride.
0: Oh yeah, it's Todd Brunson. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> From Vice Principals, yeah. and he's down and down. <laughs> so it was perfect, isn't it? Uh,
0: yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> See, that's the other thing is I don't know who like I was thinking like some of the people are in our circle too like like if Mike Fasso had a movie made about him you know what I mean Chris Elliott I think would be perfect for oh Fasso, yeah that's, right? that's awesome right so I mean I don't know it's just I wasn't sure if I was gonna go with like just we were gonna bring up A list poker players and try to match them up with casting because you know they've done that in the past like sliced alone as Stevens in that Darwin awful movie Shade. I mean, that was like an updated Cincinnati kid, so that means basically Stallone was playing the Edward G. Robinson role of Lancey. Give me a break! It was a horribly cast movie. You know, so it's a tough job. Michael Imperioli as Stewie? Come on! Come on! I mean, you know, they did their best to try to make him look like him and everything, and they did some weird lighting and everything, but it was just horrible, so I don't know. So you have other poker players that you've been thinking about?
2: Yeah, I've got two more, so... Uh... Not fantastic, I don't think, but it's probably a good pairing. Jennifer Harmon, I would go with Sarah Paulson.
0: Oh, yeah. Sarah Paulson's awesome. She can play she's anyone.
2: awesome. She's got kind of the same facial features, you know. Might need a little wig going on there, but
0: I, I can see her as Jennifer Harmon. Absolutely. Yeah, she's awesome.
2: Um, And the other one, the one I have for Daniel Nugrano. And, uh, unfortunately, this is not possible because the actor's dead now, unfortunately. Aww. Yeah rest in peace uh but taylor negron
0: oh yeah man he's he a delivery dude he's hilarious the yep yep
2: and he was milo in the cinematic classic the last Boy Scout.
0: <laughs> he was the restaurant owner uh on friends that monica makes fun of uh that's right yep. yes yep. yeah he was great i forgot he died yeah oh, tried,
2: yeah
0: but but yeah, yeah he
2: Perfect
0: Daniel. The other thing I was thinking was what other movies, like I would love to see, uh, well, The Professor, The Banker, and The Candlestick Maker, what the hell's the name of that book? <laughs> the Corporation, right? The Corporation? Yeah, The
2: su- Suicide King.
0: And oh, okay, else. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But that was a good movie. That was. I mean, that was a good book, and that was some, imagine that, 100,000, 200,000 blinds, that's some serious drama right there.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think that would be a good movie. I don't know if you, that would be a Hollywood movie. That might be one of those Sundance Film Festival that yeah, yeah, either yeah. gets picked up for a limited release or goes straight to DVD. Or I guess you can't say DVD anymore. They mean watching anything on DVD. To ne- <laughs>
0: straight to Netflix. <laughs>
2: straight to Netflix. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right, it, it would be interesting. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that that and the Doyle Brunson story. I think that's
0: that's the two that. Those are the two that I need to make. That's to what, that's going to break in the money, and they're not going to do some stupid bump of the felt like they did in that stupid Lucky Me where they, they tapped the felt like, oh, congratulations, you <laughs> won. What a stupid movie. <laughs> and we both saw that, too, right? We both saw it in the theaters, I think. How yeah, stupid movie. Yeah, we? yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about those things. That was fun.
2: No, that was a good little bit considering we had nothing else to talk about. <laughs>
0: thing, so. All right, any updates. Here's where the Annie at is going next. Bequivo Hotel and Casino near Phoenix... Uh, March 23rd and 30, to the 31st. Up World Championship and Up NorCal Classic at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, July 6th to the 28th. Atlantis Casino Resort Spa in Reno, Nevada, August 15th to the 25th. And Wild Horse Pass Hotel and Casino near Phoenix, November 11th to the 16th. Up has partnered with T Public to open a new online storefront where you can get Up logoed merch. I hate saying that word. Merchandise. Visit uh, tpublic.com slash stores slash Annie-up uh, to, to uh, check out T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Annie-Up Magazine, Annie-Up PokerCast, or Annie-Up Tour Logos. We'll be rolling out new, unique designs soon.
2: And we will be, I promise. Yeah, you I'm can working say. on some right now. All All right. Right. I just haven't uploaded them yet. Very ever, good. So Scott's but busy. But in the meantime... The store is on sale for 30% this week, so Ooh. get out there and get get your classic stuff now for 30%. You're off. just
0: busy going around losing with pocket aces for 500 bucks. Right, exactly.
2: And then, and then $200 blackjack hands.
0: <laughs> Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at, at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Comes from our friend Doc Toscano says, maybe I'm overthinking this situation, but it bothered me. Hmm, that's never happened before. (laughs) I was in a major tournament at a Florida poker room, and there were at least three pros at my table, including the two guys to my immediate left. They both had very large stacks. They clearly knew each other. They were both constantly on their phones texting. I actually wondered if they might be texting each other. At one point between hands, one says to the other, check your phone, and the other one does so and nods. So clearly they were texting each other and passing some information back and forth. Now let me be fair. I never saw either of them texting or consulting his phone while involved in a hand. I did not see them slow playing each other, but they rarely were involved in the same hand. Commonly though, if one of them folded, he would start texting and after the hand was over, the other would read the text. I considered getting up and quietly letting the floor know, but I had no proof. I didn't want to miss any hands, and we have all seen instances Proper or not, when well-known players seem to get a pass on dubious infractions, it wasn't until later that I was able to put my finger on exactly what was bothering me. Isn't this very similar to the English only rule? If they were speaking Chinese or Hungarian to each other, uh, they would be able to pa- they would be able to pass information back and forth without anyone else at the table knowing what they were saying. Instead, they were having a silent chat using their phones. What do you think about this situation?
2: All right, Elliot says, welcome to the poker in the tech era. Let's face it, most players are on their phones constantly, but not for the reasons you might think. A couple of attributes that separate the top-notch pros from lesser pros are the ability to multitask and the discipline to accept the low-hanging fruit of taking chips from bad players while avoiding unnecessary confrontation with other pros. Think about what you've seen and let it wash over you. Top pros top pros avoid playing hands against each other when they don't have to, while wannabes tangle with anybody at any time for no good reason. But back to the subject at hand. Pros have to tweet to maintain their influencer status and the confidence of their backers. Plus, they text constantly, probably more than the average teen or tween. Uh, Live poker is just so much slower than online poker to these folks, and they have to fill the boredom gap any way they can. Sometimes these pros are merely playing OFC, lots of OFC, and these games keep them buried in their screens around the clock. Sometimes they're texting their circle of friends or significant others. Like the rest of us, they have relationships to maintain, regardless of if they are in the middle of a tournament. When they are texting with players at which they are seated at the same table, they are usually critiquing each other's plays and alerting each other the tells and reactions of other players at the table. And yes, sometimes they may be communicating the contents of folded hands, um, oops, uh, or unseen winners. Uh, But they are usually not coaching during a hand or violating in any other way the fundamental rule of one player to a hand. This would be egregious and unacceptable. We have reached the point at which uh, the use of smartphones is so widespread that the uh, player not constantly on theirs is the person that sticks out as unfamiliar and suspicious. That genie is out of the bottle for all time. Uh, We as tournament directors and room operators are doing the best we can, but curtailing phone use for players not in hand is just not ever going to be considered as a viable solution as long as those players are respecting the one-player-to-a-hand
0: rules. So basically, we've given up. I mean, the fact is that he's making a lot of assumptions here with his description of what they're doing, and a lot of those pros, especially real pros that are on TV and have agents and are making money with other you know products and things like that, those are the ones that have the huge followings and stuff. But, I mean, I'm assuming that Frank here is talking about guys who might play 1-2 for a living. You know what I mean? Those guys don't have huge Twitter followers and everything. They're just making a living at it or whatever. And so... While we can assume that a lot of people who play for a living are really busy with doing the things that Elliot said, there still very well could be these guys passing information to each other about the people at their table, and the only way you would ever know is if you seize their phones, and you're not going to do that, you can't do that, so you have to let them do what they want to do, because what else are you going to do? You can't prove it, and you can't pick up somebody's personal property and just look at it without some sort of search warrant, you know, you got to get. it's all legality and stuff, so I mean, basically, you just have to give up and say, yeah, Frank's probably, intuition's probably right here. These guys, when he's telling them to look at his phone, you know what I mean, they're talking to each other, and there's no reason why they couldn't just say what they want to say to each other at the table and the hand's over. So the fact that they're texting each other means there's got to be saying stuff about the people at the table, the play at the table, what they had. That stuff has to be happening at some point when that comment gets made. Otherwise, they could just go hey, you know, uh, you want to go to a party later tonight? Instead of saying, look at your phone. You know, by the time the guy says, look at your phone, he could have said you want to go out tonight. It's the same amount of effort. So clearly they're doing something that needs to be said through text that can't be said at the table. So uh, to me that's horrible, but really what could you possibly do? You can't stop everybody playing with their phones anymore. You know, it, it, it's, it's ubiquitous. You now. Everybody has one, and it's basically like an appendage. So I, I feel bad that that's probably what happened to Frank. He could just, you know, you, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a feeling you get when you just know what's going on, you know. And to me, I'm sure Frank knew what was going on here, and there was just nothing that could be done. If you're really uncomfortable with it, I just would have. If if it wasn't a tournament, I would have asked to been moved. I just would have been moved, you know. It's a tournament, sure. that I, and that's sure. what Frank mostly plays. Um, he said it was a tournament. He was in a major tournament, I guess. So. Um, yeah, so I guess he has no choice. But yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. How how do you really? And that's what always is always a dilemma throughout history. Is how do you keep up with technology, and you just sort of give in to certain things that you know you can't control, or you, there's, there's no way to know what they were saying. You know, I I agree. It does sound like they were talking about the play at hand, or you know, oh man, I would have made four kings on that hand. You know, that's something like that. That's innocent because you can say that out loud or not. But they might, you know what I mean. With the fact that he said to someone else, you know, that means now is that information everybody should know? Because of the one hand, so we'll put, I don't know. It's it's a fine line between you know unethical and and just casual conversation. But yeah, that's tough. That's a tough one.
2: Well, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It sounds like that was what's going on. I, I will say though, when you say look at your phone, doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going on. It could be they're on a group text about. Something and it's just easier to tell them to look at a, the text rather than read the text to them out loud. So I wouldn't say that necessarily means that's what's going on, but you know, yeah, obviously, I think it, it certainly sounds like that's what's going on, and yeah, I think that, that's really what what Ellie is trying to say is, you know, that's the world we live in now. So um, I, I hate to suggest that everybody else do that because people are doing it, but. Um, I don't see a solution to it uh, at this point. So, you know, as long as they aren't being um, um, overt about it, right, um, right. where, where it would be easy to then call the floor and, and say something. But uh, other than that, that's just probably what's going to be happening going forward. So you're just going to have to uh, to roll the punches. I mean, it is uh, the world we live in now with technology. So Yeah, yeah got to deal with
0: it. Well, the good news is we have a new O'Malley's Move, so here it comes.
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. We're still playing that $0.25, $0.50 PLO 8 game, and we're sitting with right around $200. It's getting late in the night, and we've gained a couple of players. We're at an eight-handed table. The blinds post, the under the gun raises to 150. This is the player from last week who is a converted hold'em player and overvalues his hands. He's gone bust, rebought, and almost tripled up. He sits with around 300. An MP calls. He is a tight aggressive player who is a little on the tighter side of things. He has both of us covered with around 400. We're all pretty deep. We're on the button with around 200, a $100 profit, and look down at the ace of hearts. Queen of Diamonds, Four of Clubs, Deuce of Hearts. This is a good hand, but not one I'm going to go crazy with. We also call. Everyone else folds. There's 5.25 in the pot and we like what we see on the flop. The Queen of Hearts, Five of Diamonds, Tray of Hearts comes down. This is a gorgeous flop and we're even more happy when the under the gun bets three dollars into the pot. The MP thinks for a short time before calling. Since that makes the pot eleven twenty five and we can factor our call into the size of the pot in this game, we make it twelve dollars to go. Both players call, which is a little surprising. The MP must have something here. With forty one twenty five in the pot, the turn gets even better. The four of diamonds hits the board. The under the gun quickly bets twenty five dollars, and the MP makes a near pot sized raise to ninety dollars. Gulp? So it's to us. We've invested 1350 of our $200 stack on this hand. We do have a wheel with a redraw to the nut flush or a boat. What's the move? It's time with AdvancedPokerTraining.com Hand of the Week.
2: Send your hands or situations. Podcast at AndyUpMagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And it's good to be back on this side of it now. I... Got <laughs> last week. But,
0: good. Well, you have a little more uh, empathy for me then, I think. Now, <laughs> doing Hand of the Week.
2: All our right, a good fan. Uh, Quimper is back, Chris. I haven't heard from him in a while. But yeah. uh, uh, he is uh, in a 1-2 no limit game. And uh, he says he had just moved from another table. And this is the first hand he got involved in. Always a problem on Hand of the Week, right? Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, there's very little about anyone at this point. And, uh, let's see. Um, okay, all the fold, all the players fold around to the button, who calls, small blind completes, and we are in the big blind with a four of hearts, tray of hearts.
0: Shove. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I like that hand. That's uh, an interesting hand. Uh, most, most people who want to get involved in hands don't get involved with hands this low. So you know, if you hit it, you know, and somebody hits, you know, you had a nice little baby two pair or something, or, um, no, 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 I, I, I kind of like this hand. I mean, I'm not going to raise with it. Uh, I think I'd take the free, the free wrap at the table and, and see what we get, but, um, it's an interesting hand, and it's one of those hands that it's hard to be, you know, it, it's hard to, uh, if you hit your hand, very few people are going to hit theirs, you know, and so, you know, you know, you're probably good if you hit your hand. So I like that. Let's let's just check and see what happens. All right. Well, definitely not folding, right? Right. Um,
2: but I, I could go two ways. I could go a check or I could go a raise here. So the check is probably the safer way to go. Not gonna cost you anything. You got a hand that could flop big, and and you could, you know, win the pot that way. Um, the reason I might consider a raise here is a couple things. One. Um, you know, the small blind is probably just trying to get in cheap here, right? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't a raise. Um, so I, I kind of want to get an idea of whether that's a real hand or that's a dollar hand, right? Right. Um, and two, the button, for whatever reason, didn't raise. Kind of odd to me that the button's going to limp when he's first in. So I also want to find out whether that hand is good or not, right? Um so if we raise here, we take down the blinds. That's probably I mean, I take down whatever is in the pot there right now. I know it's not a lot, but that's a pretty good day at the office for four high, right? So mm. um so I might do that. Two. Now, we give the illusion that our hand is way better than it is, right? I mean, right. no one's going to imagine us raising with four high here. So now we we can play the flop in lots of different ways. So if we happen to hit her hand, fantastic. No one's going to believe that that's what we have now, right? Because we raised. Who raises with four I? Um, and if an ace or, or a king or something like that comes, then we can easily represent that because we were the only people at the table that raised. So um, depending on what I'm doing now, the problem is it's is the first hand at this table, so I don't know who I'm up against. So uh, because of that, I'm probably just going to play it safe and check. But if I've been there for a while and I have an idea of who I'm up against – uh, this might be a, a chance for me to raise here. And, and I would say this is a situation for folks that are getting used to poker. You know, We still have a lot of f- listeners that are still getting used to poker, right, and trying to get out of ABC and, and trying to make some moves and end up making moves at the wrong time. I think this is a good time to um, get out of your comfort zone a little bit because you've got a lot of protection with a raise here, I think. so.
0: I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Yes. Uh, all right. So you're in a tournament. You're in this Humul tournament. Mm-hmm. You're in the big blind and the, the button calls small blind. Completes. You look down at four hearts, three hearts. What are yep. you doing? Well, oh, same thing. You're, you're checking. All right. You're gonna. You're gonna check. You're not gonna raise. First of all, if you're, let's put it this way, you're the big blind. You're the uh, the button, and you have pocket aces, and it folds around to you, and you have just the blinds left behind you. What are you doing? Are you really raising with your aces? Or are you just going to call? Ooh, well,
2: that's what I'm saying. The part of the reason you're
0: raising here is that they find. So you're these wasting things. money just to see if this guy actually has a hand.
2: Well, I'd rather find out now rather than later on well, whether. But what the what only happens.
0: hand you're going to play later on is if you make fours and trays or a straight or a flush. I mean, you're not going to try to win this hand with a pair of fours if you flop a four. It's not going to come four high. So eh, you,
2: I don't know. Uh, I might. You're
0: just wasting money. You're right. wasting money. When you could just uh, check for free, pod and you're out of position the rest of the hand.
2: Well, I'm in middle me. position the rest of the hand.
0: You're killing me, killing me. Not middle. Well, you're hoping that guy's gonna fold, but you're out of position the rest of the hand. You may got one person to check to you because they're in the small, but you're always gonna have the person of power behind you. And you uh, you're gonna act out of turn with four three out of turn, but you know what I mean, out of position for fourth with four three. Okay, so you're giving. A, all right, I'm gonna raise here and try to make them think I have ace king. Ooh, and now what?
2: Well, I'm not saying ace king, but I'm I'm the only one showing any aggression now, so I can. What I'm saying is I can play a wide variety of hands now.
0: All right, so what you're gonna make it ten bucks? And then the, the, the button makes it 30 and you're like, oh, I guess I'll I – mean, oh, there's my 10 well, bucks no, for nothing. Yeah,
2: so that, that's a waste of 10 bucks. But I could have just checked and flopped a straighter
0: set. Okay, no, that's all right. No, yeah, right, but that,
2: that's fine. I'm willing to waste 10 bucks there to find out what they have. I mean, it's like uh, Stratego, right? You, <laughs> you're willing to sacrifice that scout to find out whether the general is there or not, right? So you're willing so.
0: to risk risk 200 for a chance of getting 100 promotional chips back exactly yeah i'm okay. probably not
2: the best uh, person on uh, money management here so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's great you're in charge of any of finances that's uh it's a great comment to make there uh, i don't know i i'm gonna stick with checking and hoping i hit and if i don't hey i already paid that money i couldn't get it back anyway and uh there's no reason for me to get aggressive with four three and a blind but hey you keep doing that scott Right, I, we, I was we need to have a home game stat. One of the two
2: options. So, as long as we're not folding, we're happy
0: here. So, <laughs> yeah, we're not. I don't think you can fold, but uh, I'll go check. You bet. Go ahead.
2: All right. Here it says uh, the effective stacks. So I'm I'm holding squiggly three fifty. The button has only one fifty, and the small blind has us both covered with five fifty. Mm. Um, and of course, he uh, checks because um, he's not
0: crazy like oh, I am. He's not at the gym.
2: Um, And now, maybe you'll see the genius in my my raising here, because the flop comes, five of clubs, six of clubs, seven of hearts. Yeah. Small blind sex to us.
0: Yeah, and so what? So now you have to bet, and when you bet, they're going to be like, well, this guy raised free flop, now he's following through on a baby board, he's going to obviously have it, and they're going to fold, and you've made nothing. But now, if you can play my way...
2: No, because the board doesn't get that
0: hand, uh, unless they, they give you a high
2: pocket pair, but...
0: Now you play it my way, you check to the button who says, now I'm going to bet.
2: Kind of flop, the small blind can now play back at you because this is a, a flop that a small blind would hit, and that's exactly what I would want now. You uh, may, not, I
0: may, mean, may it, not have that same moxie that I have. Alright, well, I'm going to stick with, uh, I'm stick with the, the check before the flop.
2: Okay. All right. So what are you going to do now? Small blind checks to us.
0: Um, gonna I'm going to check. Okay. Yeah, check. I'm going to okay. let I know it's pretty wet and I know there's a couple of clubs, but I'm going to let the button try to steal it from me. And then when he does and the small blind folds, then I'll just call and then I'll check again, and let him bet again. And then uh if depending on the card, then I'll if he doesn't bet, then I'll bet the river and then we'll see if he catches up to me on the river for not catches up, but catches up a little. I don't know. But, I think I feel like we flopped a straight. You know, it's 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 got, not, a guy's not gonna have in the, he may have eight nine, but if you have eight nine in the on the button you're not limping I think you're raising and just trying to get take the blinds so I feel well, like this guy anything might anything
2: on the button that's the other thing I don't understand here right?
0: yeah well I don't know I don't know I'm I'm definitely gonna check and try to trap somebody here
2: mm, all right um, gosh. well gosh was here again I would have probably raised <laughs> so
0: well, nobody bet. <laughs>
2: No, I mean I would have raised. All oh,
0: raise preflop, yeah, yeah. B-flop. So yeah, yeah.
2: that, so then I definitely would have bet here, and my hand is well disguised and Ricky ticky tabby stuff going on. So yeah, we check, we fold. didn't. Um. Oh gosh, I don't know. If you bet and everybody folds here, that's wasted value. If you check and it checks around, you let somebody catch up. That, uh, uh boy, it's tough. Uh, I guess I'm just going to have to bet because I'd rather do that. I'd rather win a small pot than lose a big pot. So Okay. I'll probably bet the pot here. It's six bucks, so I'll put six bucks in and see what happens out there. All right, cool. All right, our hero bets $10 into the six dollar pot. Um, and the button folds and the small blind raises to 55.
0: <laughs> Holy cow. Holy cow. All right, well, I don't think this person has. 8-9. I think. I mean, it's a hand that a small blind would complete with, but if you had 8-9, would you really 5.5x the person's bet? You know? I mean, you might just call and check again, since we're taking a a chance on betting. Yeah,
2: the lead here, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so
0: I don't think I want to scare this person off. So the only reason why this person would be betting that much is because they want something they want to protect, you know? Um... Maybe they have the same hand as us. You know, maybe they have... Because they're blind, it's possible. Could be. Yeah. Um, maybe they have a draw and a draw, you know? Like, maybe they have the... I don't know, ace, eight of clubs or something. I don't I don't know. So they have a flush draw and a straight draw. I mean, who knows? Um, so raising is... Yeah,
2: I don't know if I'd check raise on a draw.
0: Yeah, I don't know if i check raise on a draw either. That's a good point, so...
2: If the positions are flipped, I would do that. Give me my free card. Um... If I so check-raise, now i got to keep that up even if I miss. So the small blind has something here. It's just a matter of whether it's a set, whether it's 3-4 like we have. It's two-pair, which is possible. 8-9, which
0: is tragic for us. 8-9 just seems like that would be too much of a bet. It feels like it's something like two-pair or maybe even the same hand. Because like you said, check-raising a draw doesn't really come to mind. You might just yeah. call the draw. Um, so it could be like 5-6. She's protecting her hand, but why wouldn't you bet out then when she had five six, right? So what hand check raises? What hand check raises? What hand could afford to give up a whole street and still be ahead on the next street? You know, right. could it? Because it was eight nine, why would you check raise?
2: Right. No. No. Exactly.
0: Yep. Yeah. Same hand.
2: So yeah, so so then the the best we can put them on now is the same hand, right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's. Thing else we have crush. So, yeah. do we raise now?
0: Uh, I think so. Uh, I mean, I think to me, I mean, I know we have a lot of money, and this person has a lot of money uh, in front of them. So, you know, I don't go crazy, but just calling gives them, you know, like what if they had, uh, what if they had the same hand as us, but they had clubs. Right. Now they've have given them a free chance to hit, or their price, to hit a flush, too, to just free roll on us and suck out. I don't know. I guess if they had the same hand, they're probably not going anywhere. So I don't know. Maybe. I don't think I just call, though. I don't feel like a call is right. Hmm. And it's blind, too. That's a thing. Ugh, it's brutal. All right, maybe I call and see what they do on the turn. If the turn comes and it's a scare card, maybe they'll check, and then we we can either represent it or check behind I, this is tough. I mean, we've got the straight, we got this person betting into us. The only hand that we're really worried about is 8-9. I mean, I don't think we're really worried about 8-4. I don't think somebody yeah, played 8-4. Yeah,
2: I, I think you made a good point that 9-8 doesn't check raise here, so I'm not – if I'm in the moment, I'm probably worried about that But and the luxury of sitting in our chairs here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We dismissed it. So I guess the only the, – the risk in raising here is if our opponent isn't as strong as we think. Will go away. Whereas if we call, uh, she's going to take another stab at it on the turn,
0: right? Yeah. Well, the problem is if a club comes, like the eight of clubs comes right now, I'm going to yeah. I think that's the up.
2: problem. Is there's a lot of cards that could come that are going to make us less excited about our hand now. So I think I'd rather just raise now and figure out where we are. Yeah. Than I would to try to get sneaky here and let an eight come or a club come
0: or yeah, make it like one sixty.
2: Or the board pair, or any of that kind of stuff, right? So,
0: yeah, make it like one sixty now, and then see if they're willing to shove on you. And if they are, I think I'm still getting it in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. So let's let raise. All right, I'm going to raise two. So,
2: um, our hero says, uh, "Since I know nothing about how she plays, I can only make assumptions." Which she raised with a flush draw. Which he raised with the nuts, with the over straight, uh, small pairs, and a flop set, two pair, blind on blind is always called an unraised pop. Put on a draw slush, or straight. Perhaps she's holding an eight and not a gutter, two pair or less likely a set. I'm losing only one of those scenarios with eight possible eight nine combinations. I make a call. Okay, I think a set is is very likely here, which is fantastic. If the board runs out <laughs> fine. For right. Right. Um and I really do it. I think we've we've just missed eight nine. I guess I mean I guess we'll have egg on our face here in a minute if we find out. But. <laughs> um all right, so he makes the call. Okay. Uh turn is the eight of hearts, so our board now is a five of clubs, six of clubs, seven of hearts, eight of hearts, and she bets seventy five.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna call. I here's the thing, is like I don't know what raising does now. I don't think this person is now a draw you know, what I mean, there's no reason for to her to to play it this way, drawing at anything. So it's either we we're, either we're going to win, we're going to tie, or we're going to lose now. It's not nothing that comes is going to change that, I think. I think we're we're probably our our fate is set. It's sealed. Whatever happens happens. So I'm not willing to put any more money. That 75 is plenty enough for me to call with the hand I have. There's no reason for me to raise. I'm calling.
2: Well, we also have the heart flush draw now too, which is nice as a backup. Um, yeah. It's, it's unlikely that our opponent has hearts as well too so our four high will probably be good if heart comes so that gives me a little bit more confidence here um, and it might be an encouragement to race as well too but again the eight was one of those cards we were hoping not to come now, it's helpful that it's the eight of hearts rather than the yeah, eight of the clubs club.
0: yeah
2: but, um, yeah I think I, I call here too
0: because otherwise you have to shove because you're not going to bet 200 and something when you only have 300 left or you're not even, you had 75. So you, you basically you're, you, you have to shove if, if you're going to, so I'm just going to call, um, because basically you're shoving then. And I don't think I'm going to shove with this hand one, because if I have her beat and they're going to get a dime out of her. And if I don't have her beat, then I'm wasting, you know, 200 bucks sure. when I don't have Great. to. So I'm just going to call.
2: Okay. Um, all right. Our hero says, can I put the many nines in her range? And now I'm redrawing the heart flush. So I call. Yeah. All right. The river is the Ace of Diamonds. Our final board: Five of Clubs, Six of Clubs, Seven of Hearts, Eight of Hearts, Ace of Diamonds. And the small blind leads out for one
0: twenty-five. Yeah, I can't fold. I mean, nothing's changed. That eight does nothing. Ace has nothing, so I can't fold. Uh, I can't raise because I just you just you, you have to be one hundred percent certain, and you can, the only way you can do that is if you turned your cards up by accident. You know what I mean? So um, I can't let this hand go for the amount of money that's out there. I feel like she's got two pair or the same hand. And so I just can't let it go. Now, if I knew she had the same hand, obviously I'd shove, but she wouldn't fold for 50 bucks or whatever it is stuff we have. So it does nothing either. So I'm just going to call. I have to call.
2: Yep, I'm going to call as well, too. Um, our hero says, I verbalized my thought process. And the ace changes nothing. The flush didn't get there. Possible two pairs, small flop set. She appears visibly nervous. Declare my straight and make the call. Hmm. hmm. So he's nervous. It could mean she's hoping for us to call because she's got a big hand. Yeah. She doesn't want us to call, which seems unlikely, right? So uh, she asks if I have a nine. As she tables to three of clubs, four of clubs. Wow. Chop, and the house makes a profit. <laughs> Since wow. I was, I was only losing eight nine on the flop. Perhaps a raise it on the turn would have netted me the entire pot. Meh
0: on in the next hand, yeah, yeah I don't like, know,
2: I don't know she was we in away. a dangerous situation there because he, she had the club redraw that we didn't have. she so. had the
0: straight flush club redraw too. there's no way she goes away with a turn on a turn raise. There's no way she goes nowhere. He's lucky he got what he got. He's lucky he just made the house some money. you know what I mean, oh man, what a hand yeah. that was.
2: It's actually a very good point, yeah she's she's probably not gonna go anywhere with that, so yeah, she's not going anywhere.
0: Consider yourself lucky, I think actually. Um, of course, if you played the way Scott played it, you would have uh, made 10 bucks and moved That's on. That's right. You would have made a profit, right? <laughs> Hindsight 2020. <laughs> see? <laughs> All right, so there's, there's there's merit in being a degenerate once in a while. How's that song? <laughs> Thanks, Quimper. I'm Chris Cosenza. And I'm Scott Locke. We'll see you at the
1: table. Up is a production of com contact the show at podcast at antiappmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiappmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.